morning, guys, and welcome to day 17 of the Pelvic Health Challenge. Today's topic is all about sleep. And I know everybody out there knows, or at least a little bit knows the importance of sleep. Maybe you don't realize to what end it's very important, but honestly, healthy sleep is absolutely imperative for everyone's overall health and well-being. and not sleeping or not getting good enough sleep can have adverse effects, uh, including things like mood. I mean, we've all... <laughs> probably been grumpy if we haven't gotten enough sleep. So including mood, cognitive health, immune function, cardiovascular health, among so many other things. Studies have shown that sleeping less than six hours a night chronically, so continuously, can result in problems affecting, like I said, the mood, memory, your learning capacity, reaction times, concentration, the way the brain um, processes pain, it can have hormonal imbalances or lead to hormonal imbalances, lead to high levels of inflammation, high blood pressure, diabetes, obesity, and even higher risk of stroke has been linked back to lack of sleep. So lack of sleep is hugely, hugely a problem for a lot of people and can have very, very massive effects on our health, not just our pelvic health. And when it comes to our body being in pain, sleep is actually one of the most important things to think about. And it is one of, or deprivation of sleep is one of the worst problems that do does affect our quality of life. So as you can see, sleep is a big topic. We are again on this topic, barely going to scratch the surface, just very briefly introduce it, introduce it, why it's important for your pelvic health and your overall health, which we kind of already did. And then go from there, hopefully with some tips, tricks, and strategies that you can use to optimize your health or sorry, optimize your sleep. So you can optimize your pelvic health and health in general. If you're at all interested in the topic and you want to learn more, there is Matthew Walker, Matt Walker. He is a brilliant, brilliant author and researcher, and his specialty is sleep. He has a really, really great book. Um, he's done a ton of podcasts. And honestly, like this guy knows what's what when it comes to sleep. I remember listening to a podcast of his, I think he was on this is back when I used to listen to the Joe Rogan podcast. So this would have been a few years back, but he was on the Joe Rogan podcast. And I just remember like even having researched sleep and know, knowing a lot about sleep, just being shocked at some of the things he was saying. And I thought that was so fascinating. Um, and the things I especially found fascinating was the effect that things like alcohol and marijuana has on our sleep. And despite the fact that we feel like we might be getting good sleep, what is really happening and if I recall, don't quote me on this, but if I recall, he talked about, uh, I think it was marijuana in particular. He talked about people actually, even though they slept kind of quote unquote well and went into deep sleep, they lacked a lot of the rapid eye movement section of sleep, so the REM sleep. And this is a big issue. And what happens, it wasn't marijuana, sorry, it was, it, that one was actually alcohol because what we talked about is, the DTs. So with alcohol withdrawal, what he was saying is when your body stops having that alcohol, part of the DTs is actually your brain hallucinating, trying to make up for, um, that lost REM sleep. 
Now I super butchered that. So don't quote exactly what I said, but if you do want to learn about it, cause it was fascinating. I would go back, look up Matt Walker. I'm pretty sure that particular conversation was on the Joe Rogan podcast way before he switched to Spotify. So it's probably still on the Apple um, podcast. Uh, but yeah, he's a fascinating guy. He's done so much research in terms of sleep and I highly recommend listening to him. The reason I got on this tangent about Matt Walker and, uh, and apparently about marijuana and alcohol use is because Matt Walker in all of his research tells us that every single person needs seven to nine hours of sleep. And a quote from him that I love, he says, the number of people who can survive on five hours or of sleep or less without any impairment as expressed as a percent of the population and rounded to a whole number is zero. So those people that tout that they can just, you know, get by on four or five hours of sleep, sure, they can get by and they're compensating and they're kind of living their life still, but there is absolutely no way that they do not have some sort of impairment. So sleep, so important, uninterrupted sleep is when our body has that restorative rest. It has low muscle activation, reduced tone, increased relaxation, and this promotes healing and recovery. And studies have shown that sleep problems will significantly increase the risk for reduce pain tolerance. So we just cannot tolerate pain as well. We're more sensitive to it. It de- So it decreases that sensitivity to pain. And it shows that even small, the research shows that even small gains in sleep quality can improve our report of pain. So that's huge. Basically to sum that up is if we don't sleep well, if we have pain, we're going to be way more sensitive to it. And we're going to be able to pay way more attention to that pain. We're going to have less tolerance to it. We also know from other studies that other pelvic floor symptoms like prolapse or bowel related symptoms are associated with worse sleep. But what we don't know and what more research is needed is to better clarify that relationship and understand how sleep disturbances contribute to that impact of pelvic floor symptoms and quality of life. So we don't really know the chicken or the egg there, or is it a little bit of both? What factors do the symptoms have on sleep and what factors does sleep have on the symptoms? Okay. So sleep again, so important for so many reasons, specifically when it comes to our pelvic health, we know that sleep can lead to, you know, worse quality of life or lack of sleep. I should say worse quality of life, um, increased pelvic floor symptoms, increased experience of pain. If you are someone who has pain in either the pelvic, um, floor or kind of pelvis, low back hips anywhere, Uh, We also know that the reverse is also true, right? So symptoms like incontinence or what's called nocturia, where you wake up in the, in overnight, that can also affect sleep. So it kind of becomes this vicious cycle and something that you almost want to attack on both levels. So we want to work on improving sleep absolutely unequivocally without a doubt, but then we also want to work on any of the pelvic floor symptoms you might be having if you are someone who has them. For example, if you're someone with incontinence or nocturia, then pelvic floor exercise can help with that. 
which is going to reduce your frequency of waking up, which is going to improve your sleep. So you can see it's a cycle. So then what do we do? What do we do to improve our sleep? There are so, so many tips and tricks. I am not going to go through them all because that would take me forever. Um, but the big ones and some of what you have heard already is to try to maintain a regular bedtime and regular rising time, right? So even on weekends, try to go to bed and wake up at the same time as you do during the week. Okay. Uh, try to limit any naps if you have them during the day. And if you do less than 30 minutes and try not to do it after, you know, around two, avoid at night, any light disturbing noises. So keep it as dark as possible. If you're a shift worker, try to use those blackout curtains or blackout blinds. Keeping your bedroom really cool at night is really helpful. When we're a little bit cooler, we sleep better. Obviously avoid caffeine, especially kind of in the afternoon, because that's going to have, uh, you know, a negative effect and impact on our sleep. Make sure you're including exercise in your day. Uh, obviously in terms of the time of exercise, everybody is different in when they like it. If it's very vigorous, so like really kind of amped up exercise, probably not something you want to do in a couple hours before sleep. We hear it all the time. We want to reduce our screen time, especially in that last hour before bed, but ideally even more than that. And then we want to create a sleep ritual, something that we do every night, whether it's, you know, having a hot shower, a hot bath, going to bed, reading a little bit, maybe doing a meditation, or maybe we're doing yoga before, whatever your routine is, trying to find one and do one. And then another one that people don't think about that is actually very important and not always easy to do in Canada, especially in the winter months, but that is to be in sunlight so outside in the sunlight before around 11 a.m. If it's safe to do so, ideally without sunglasses. And to do that every day. And the reason that one's really important is because it's based on our circadian rhythm. So we actually need to have that sunlight, that wakefulness to help our body and our circadian rhythm to basically get us sleeping at the right time at night. I find that just super interesting and I love learning about that. If you guys are interested in learning a little bit more about that circadian rhythm and kind of that idea or the rationale behind having sunlight first thing in the morning, uh, the Huberman lab at Stanford, they have some really awesome resources on that. And they also have a podcast and it's super interesting and fascinating. So there's some basic ideas for sleep hygiene. Like I said, there are so, so, so many more that we could chat about, but it would just take forever. And I want to just keep you, um, keep these short, but keep you informed with just kind of the, the top tips that I can offer you. So in terms of challenge tonight, what I want you to do maybe for the next few days, pay attention to your habits both around sleep. Yeah. So just pay attention to what your habits are. If there's anything in particular, sorry. Sorry guys, I'm back. My puppy, again, she likes to, well, she doesn't like to, you know, not being, be paid attention to. Even though we went on a big walk to the talent training, apparently she still has energy. 
good thing that dog is cute. So now you guys are paying attention to what your habits are around sleep. So your challenge after that is to pick a sleep ritual and try to maintain it. So it could be just reading before bed. It could be doing a quick meditation, a little bit of stretching, pick one or two things, hot shower, whatever you want. Try to use that sleep ritual for a whole week and see how your sleep changes. Give it a try and we will see you tomorrow for day 18. Thanks guys.